broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Well, good morning. My name is Victor Agreta Jr., and I'm going to be hosting today for Business Radio X here in Chattanooga. I am joined with a couple of guests in the studio. The first one is uh, Ginger Birnbaum. How are you doing this morning? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Uh, so you were with Sister Fibrosis Foundation. I am. I'm a volunteer for the foundation. Excellent. All right. And we are also joined with uh, Kathleen Curry. That's right. And you are with Fitzy Health. Exactly. Yes. Uh, which is a, uh, a really cool startup. And you guys are creating a, a neat health product. And we're going we're to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, Ginger, I want to start with you. So you are a volunteer with cystic fibrosis here in Chattanooga. And tell us a little bit about your background. I understand uh, you, you. this is a very personal cause for you, right? It is. So I um, have always been a, a lover of nonprofits and um, always enjoyed volunteering. But my son King was born with cystic fibrosis in 2011. So it was only natural that I really push a lot of my effort into the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation because I also came to know that they are the world's leader in the search for a cure for the disease. So that's that's how I came to be a part of it. And um, although King brought me to the cause, there's so many other people that keep me there. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, myself included, you know, there are a lot of things out there. What is cystic fibrosis exactly? You know, it's really, it's very complicated. And I think one of the things that has complicated it is that in the 1950s, it was really known to be a lung disease because not so much was known about what was happening kind of at that, at that root cause. But cystic fibrosis actually changes what happens at the cellular level due to a mutation. And essentially what you have is in those people, they are not able to transport sodium chloride, which is just salt. And if you've ever had a bad cold and you've used some saline spray, you know that it's really effective at breaking up mucus. And that's happening in our bodies all the time. So a person with cystic fibrosis does not have that happening in their body. So their organs become blocked with mucus, scar tissue, things like that. So while the lungs tend to present uh, the most critical issues for a person with cystic fibrosis, truly the whole body is involved and um, people have a very hard time gaining weight because their pancreas is blocked. They have sinus disease, issues with reproduction, things like that. So it, it really is a full body disease. And that's why it's so important that we cure this. And with a lot of these uh, conditions, you know, we don't think about, this is a, something that you probably never think about is how your body deals with sodium in that way, but it's actually a really critical function. And so uh, these folks, as you said, it's something that we originally thought, well, this is the symptom, right? It's lungs, but there's really a much deeper root cause. And that causes all sorts of other things to happen in the body, right? Absolutely. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is research moving forward with cystic fibrosis, you know, finding a cure? How, how good are we doing with this? We're doing really, really well. And um, which, of course, for me personally, is something that I'm very thankful for. But from an overall sense, in the 1950s, Parents that took home a child from the hospital were told, enjoy elementary school, maybe, um, with this child. And now we are at a place of tremendous hope. For us, we really expect for King, who's my son, to have a very long, um, full, healthy life. Right now, there are two drugs that go to the root cause of cystic fibrosis, 
And for those patients, which is about 50% of the population, they are experiencing tremendous results from that. Now, we still have 50% of the population, which does not have a drug that goes to that root cause. So the full focus right now is extending that research out to 100% of patients. Um, And the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, following a model of venture philanthropy, does an incredible job of taking all donated dollars and really funneling that back into the research pipeline. Oh, that's excellent. Now, you mentioned 50%. Why does cystic fibrosis present differently from person to person? It's a really good question. And I think it's something that even um, parents, spouses, friends of someone with cystic fibrosis have a hard time grasping. Um, It just depends on genotype. So there are over 1,700 mutations of cystic fibrosis. Each person would have two of those mutations. Sometimes it's identical. And they present differently for every, for every person depending on their genotype. So the 50% that do have a drug going to this root cause are ones that the research has extended to those mutations. And the 50% that are left, we're just pushing toward those mutations and, and finding drugs that can help them. Well, if there's, if there's one thing people like, it's a challenge. Right. And so there's definitely a challenge there. Is there a local cystic fibrosis center? There is. Um, there's a care center at Children's Hospital at Erlanger. They service about 77 families, and that's from the surrounding area. One of the things that the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation did is set up this care center network. And what you have there are accredited centers that are looking at the full body. You have dietitians, respiratory therapists a pediatric pulmonologist. And for the first time um, ever, half of the CF population is into adulthood. So now we even have adult care centers. We don't have one of those in Chattanooga. That is a goal, certainly, for our pulmonologists here. But um, yeah, patients are able to be seen here under the age of 18 at our pediatric center. Well, that's fantastic news. It's also fantastic news that, you know, people are living longer uh, with this, I, th- I think that's uh, that's really good. That's hopeful, it is. It's, right? It's incredible because I don't think that anyone really expected that in the 50s, certainly. So it's um, it's a very pleasant thing, and it gives us all a lot of hope. That's excellent. So how does the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation use that donated money? Well, it goes back into um, patient care and research. So that is that model of venture philanthropy, and it's something that for a very, very long time, the foundation has focused on. So we partner with research development networks all over the country and even internationally to look at molecules, to test out things, to see what drugs can be formulated from these different markets. And so there's a very strong focus on research with the donated dollars, but also with patient care through those care centers. Okay. Now, how are people diagnosed with the disease? Well, it's interesting. So um, in, I believe, 2008 in Tennessee, there came to be a mandate that all children would be screened for cystic fibrosis along with other genetic diseases. So at birth in Tennessee now, um, a child is screened for cystic fibrosis. And if that test were to show that further diagnostic testing was needed, those parents would be called, which of course is a call that I got. Um, And then you go forward with the testing process. There's something that tests the chloride in the body. Um, If that is kind of an inconclusive test, then you can go forward with DNA testing. And that, of course, is where you can find out the mutations 
which at this point is very, very important because if a person with cystic fibrosis knows the mutations that they have, there may be a drug out there right now that can treat the root cause of their disease. So that's that's really critical that they... So you're saying that... Uh, you know, people are getting older, they have this condition, but are people able to grow out of the disease? No, they're not able to grow out of it. And I think that um, I get that question a lot as a mother, like, oh, has he gotten better? Is he better now? Is he better yet? And um, I think a lot of times we want for people to get better. But unfortunately, with cystic fibrosis, um, the devastating effects of it are only cumulative, which is why it's so important that we cure this disease. Some people come to a point where they must have a lung transplant um, if their lungs have gotten to a degree where they're just not able to keep that person sustainable. Um, but no, it is cumulative because what happens in the lungs is that bacteria can grow in there. And if that happens over time, then you get tissue that's no longer viable. We talked about this earlier, but it's not just a lung disease, right? No, it, it's it affects not. the whole body. So talk a little bit about the other things that happen in the body besides the lungs. Yeah. So I think that the pancreas is a really important aspect of cystic fibrosis. And it's something that when we were first diagnosed, I really just could not understand. But what happens is the pancreas is not able to excrete the enzymes that are absolutely necessary for digesting your food. And can you imagine if you couldn't digest your food, then you would ha not have nutrients in your body. So a person with cystic fibrosis that has this pancreatic insufficiency must take enzymes when they eat. And then those enzymes go directly to the stomach. Now, in our situation, King is um, so deficient in his pancreas that he also must um, use a feeding tube overnight for 10 hours to be absolutely sure that he gets those calories. And the thing about that is not just that we love chubby babies in the United States, um, which I, I think is true. Everyone says, oh, look at those chubby cheeks. What a cute baby. They must be so healthy. But those chubby cheeks mean that the inside of the body is also doing well. And so the lungs absolutely must have those nutrients to be strong and to fight this disease. So how can the Chattanooga community help with this cause? Well, we have two really kind of banner events. One is Three Blind Wines, which happens in November typically. And then we have one event coming up this weekend called Great Strides. And that's actually a national event where walkers, runners are invited to come out, be a part of the community, raise awareness and donations if they wish. And this year, our goal nationally is $40 million. And of course, that is so critical because it's going back into research. But I think, too, the most really beautiful thing about Great Strides is just the ability for CF families to be all in one place, because that is not common, and to see that their community, their community partners are coming around and supporting them and really lifting up this cause and holding the intention for a cure. So those are our two biggest events here in Chattanooga, um, and we would love for everyone to join us for them. So Great Strides is this Sunday, April 17th at Baylor School, and it starts at 1 o'clock, and really everyone is welcome. That is excellent. Well, it sounds like the local foundation, the national organization, all of these folks are doing incredible work, uh, very important work. I love the venture model also that they use with this, and it sounds like a wonderful event that's coming up. So, Ginger, thank you so much. That's Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and again, 
we'd love to have you on the show again. Oh, I'd, I'd love to come. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's just, it's critical that we share this message and, um, and that we grow on people and we get into their hearts because we all know what happens from there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That community is very important. So this is Business Radio X in Chattanooga. I'm your host, Victor Agreta Jr. And our next guest is Kathleen Curry, and you are with Fitzy Health. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're welcome to have you here. You uh, have been in nursing for more than uh, 30 years. Is that right? Yes. A long time, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and so while you were working as a staff nurse, change nurse, you know, you've, you've got your master's degree in nursing management. Um, you've been doing this a long time. You know, you saw something, you saw a need for something and you said, you know, by gosh, I'm going to make this happen. So tell us what is Fitzy Health? Well, Fitzy Health, as you said, addresses a need that I saw for many, many, many years. And it just bothered me. And that need is that patients don't uh, have the opportunity to wash their hands while they're in the hospital very, very frequently. Since most of us will be hospitalized at some particular point or we will have our loved ones hospitalized, it really is an issue that is important for all of us. And it's not just a comfort issue, but it's a safety issue. It really hit me. I Then my cell phone started to ring and I couldn't quite reach it. And I kept, I was just there and I thought, you know, I really, if I just had the resource, I could easily answer my own phone, wash my own hands, but I'm just lying here and I can't do either one of them. And I've often said that's really where Fitzy Health was born. I just kept thinking there has to be something. So I decided to, to do something at that, at that point. Well, and, and this addresses, of course, a, a really, a pretty, a bigger problem, I would say. And so tell us a little bit about preventable patient death. Exactly. It definitely addresses a much larger problem. And that is, the problem is, um, Healthcare-acquired conditions and certainly healthcare-acquired infections is one of those. And it is a major problem. Um, if you kind of think about maybe a, an airplane filling it up with um, maybe about 400 people or so, everybody gets on, sits down, the plane crashes, everybody dies. That number of people die every single day in healthcare from healthcare-acquired conditions. So it is really, a, it's a huge problem. And it's being addressed but one of the things that has not actually been uh, focused on at this particular point is the patient hand hygiene. So that's where we are focusing our efforts on. So this is this is a big issue. That's 400 a, a day. It's a huge issue. It really is, yes. And absolutely. so how does Fitzy Health help prevent hospital-acquired conditions? Well, we do uh, by the, the uh, uh, product that we have, which we call Fitzy. It's a bedside product that will hang on the... Um, side of the bed, on the bed rail for the patient, is able to have the hand sanitizer close by, they're able to have any of their personal items close by. It has a clip that will uh, adjust to the uh, changing bed positions. And, and we have it patented, and I think it's patented mainly because of the uh, clip that we have on it. It just makes everything very accessible to the patient. So it's kind of ironic when you think about it that we're in a hospital and yet we can't wash our hands. And we've all been told for some really for probably as long as we can remember to wash your hands, wash your hands. So to me, that's always been something that, okay, we really just are not addressing this. Uh, and hopefully our product Fitzy is able to do that. Well, I have to say it's very cool looking. I'm looking at it here. This is audio. Mm -hmm. So you folks can't yeah. see it, but it, it looks very high tech, even though it's, <laughs> you know, it, there's no circuitry or anything in there, but right. it's, it's plastic. So it's durable. Uh, it can be sanitized and, you know, and it, it looks like a, like a high-tech shower caddy, but it's designed so that it will sit on that, uh, that, that bed, right? Exactly. Exactly. 
Yes, we really did a lot. We worked with a medical designer, did a lot of um, back and forth in terms of different kinds of designs. And this is really what we ended up with. Yeah. Well, it looks really cool. So uh, what is the Patient Safety Innovation Award? Well, Fitzy Health was really very lucky. We were able to win a Patient Safety Innovation Award, which was awarded this past January in California. And this Patient Safety Innovation Award was because the the, the particular organization, they wanted to uh, grant three awards for people who had innovations in either a product or a process that would be very helpful to their goal, which is to have zero preventable deaths by 2020, zero preventable hospital deaths by 2020. So we were really very honored to um, to be a recipient of this. The first award was uh, $50,000, the second was $25,000, and the third was $10,000. We won the second we won the second award. Um, the first award went to somebody from Uganda because it was an international contest. And the third award went to somebody from New York. So just to be part of that group, we feel very humbled and very, very happy. I was going to say that's that's really extraordinary. And especially considering that, you know, a lot of people might think, well, you know, this is this is such a minor thing. Exactly. You know, why is this a big deal? But I think you've connected these dots here of like these are preventable deaths. Exactly. This is a simple solution, right. you know. And, and it, it boggles my mind that someone hasn't thought of this before or at least approached the problem in this way. But, you know, you've got your nursing experience. And so you've been seeing this for years. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what is the Patient Safety Movement Foundation? That's what you were talking about. Right. Yeah. It, this foundation basically was uh, started in 2013. And they're very unique in the respect that they really want all the stakeholders to be part of this uh, mission to have zero preventable deaths by 2020. They have the media, um, politicians, the conference that we went to, actually the um, keynote speaker was uh, former Bill, former President Bill Clinton. Uh, but for me, actually, the most important part was that they had a lot of patient advocates there. And the main, many of these people were uh, families of patients who had died because of some uh, hospital-acquired condition, especially infections. And to hear their stories and to hear their passion and to know that they... This is how they are dealing with their grief is to come to other healthcare professionals and to really try to tell us um, that this is so important. It, that was extremely motivating to me to the point that I kept thinking, okay, everybody's got to have something on their bedside so that they can actually wash their hands. <laughs> well, and it has to be frustrating for folks, you know, knowing that this is preventable and it's something that has been a problem for, I mean, forever, right. basically. Right. Right. Uh, and, and I'm sure that over time, We've done a good job of reducing preventable deaths in hospitals, but this is something that really can can take us a step further. Exactly. That's that's the whole thing. We certainly have done a very good job in many, many areas. But this is having the patients wash their hand is really just one aspect of the loop of patient uh, infection prevention that we really have not addressed yet. Plus, it's nice. You know, they, they can have, I see here, their Kleenex, their glasses, their cell phone, everything at, at, in arm's reach. And that also, they don't have to call the nurse in to come get exactly. something. They don't have to strain themselves if they have stitches or whatever that, you know, they don't have to get out of bed to reach their their personal items. Exactly. And that was really a very important part of this for me as, as a healthcare professional. And because we've done some uh, small studies which, and found that between about five to eight minutes of time per staff person per shift is wasted just trying to help somebody maybe find where their glasses are or find their cell phone. And that, that's just time that's wasted. And healthcare is very, uh, 
you know, busy and very important. And it's, we really shouldn't be wasting any time at all. Absolutely. Well, and you know, time is money. So how cost effective is Fitzy for, let's say, an average 300 bed hospital? If a hospital, say an average 300 bed hospital has a Fitzy on every bed, um, it would probably be about a dollar um, per patient. Uh, so basically you can have a, uh, you have the Fitzy on the bed and the um, patient is able to wash their hands or able to uh, prevent falls. Um, because as you, as you just mentioned, they would not be looking for their um, own personal items. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, very cost effective because if the return on investment, um, if you even have just one, if you have to treat one infection or one patient who's falled with has an injury, then that cost, just one of them per year, is actually less than putting a uh, FITSI on every bed. Wow. So it, it's, it really is a very powerful return on investment. It's kind of a no-brainer there <laughs> yeah. at, at that price. Yeah. So what are some of the benefits uh, for FITSI Health of doing business in Chattanooga? Well, Chattanooga has been very, very supportive as a startup. Uh, I have found a lot of support with the um, group, the One Million Cups of Coffee uh, that meets weekly. And I think that's probably been the, the most supportive group that I've been involved with. There's other entrepreneurs there who are really in the same stage. And they're all people who are trying to do something for themselves. But even beyond that, they're trying to do something for the greater community. And again, that's really, really very, very motivating to me. Um, Small Business Administration, I've done a lot of classes with them. Um, just did something yesterday with them. And the uh, SCORE uh, resource, that's the um, retired business people mm-hmm. who give their time and their experience to people like me. I just have found other business people who've been just very supportive. They'll listen. They'll give advice. They've just been wonderful. Yeah, I know that there's a very strong entrepreneurial community here in Chattanooga, and I, I know that they've been doing a great job of supporting. I've, mm-hmm. I've been to a few of the events here locally, mm-hmm. and so this is fantastic. And it, it still kind of blows my mind that you guys won second in, a, in an international competition. And yeah. it sounds like you had some really, really tough competitors it still there. It blows my mind, to be honest. Yeah, also. <laughs> but it's wonderful. It and, is. you know, it just shows you that there's no monopoly on good ideas. That's true. And so mm-hmm. you, you guys have a great, a great product here okay. that sounds like can save mm-hmm. lives. So that, that is fantastic. Uh, so Kathleen Curry of Fitzy Health, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And I have been uh, Victor Agreta Jr. My guests today have been Ginger Birnbaum of Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Thank you. And Kathleen Curry from Fitzy Health. Thank you very much for joining us. This is Business Radio X in Chattanooga. Thanks for listening.